Hi, I'm Ashley. Hi, I'm Brooke. We are the AB of Pharmacy. We are the AB of Pharmacy. From Huntington Valley, Pennsylvania, and a pharmacy practice resident at the University of Maryland Medical Center in Baltimore, Maryland, and a pharmacy resident at the University of Kentucky Chandler Medical Center in Lexington, Kentucky. But today, I'm in Las Vegas, attending the American Society of Health System Pharmacists mid-year clinical meeting. You're listening to Pharmacy Forward, a podcast about transforming knowledge into action. episode, we talked to Dr. Nicole Avant, assistant professor at the University of Cincinnati and founder and CEO of the Avant Consulting Group, and to Neil McKinney, an HIV AIDS educator and consultant with Avant Consultant Group, about gender identity and expression, cis privilege, and transphobia. I'm Megan Brown, a clinical associate professor at the University of Mississippi School of Pharmacy. And hello, I'm Elizabeth Hearn, a PGY1 community pharmacy resident also with the University of Mississippi School of Pharmacy. Welcome to the Pharmacy Forward podcast. Our guest today is Dr. Nicole Avant from the University of Cincinnati. She is also the founder of the Avant Consulting Group, which is working to influence diverse and inclusive workforces to mitigate disparities and achieve optimal patient outcomes. Dr. Avant works as a professor, researcher, and pharmacist, and she aims to be a health equity-minded, a social justice educator, and a fierce advocate. She is a thought leader in the subject of gender identity. And joining Dr. Avant is her colleague, Tennille McKinney, a political scientist and HIV AIDS educator who is a consultant with the Avant Consultant Group. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Thank you for the warm introduction. Just a little bit more about us. Avant Consultant Group is a team of academics, sociologists, social workers, and certified health educators. And we help organizations, especially health systems, transform into more inclusive organizations. And we do that through implicit bias and structural inequity workshops, as well as through qualitative assessments. So as we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you became involved with the subject of gender identity? For one of our clients, we conduct trainings weekly at the new employee hire orientation. And every time we start talking about cis privilege in our interpersonal power dynamics workshops, there are always questions. Folks have usually heard of what trans is, but they have not heard the word cis. So they're always confused. So you couple that unawareness with our client at the time was updating their EMR to include more gender diversity, so we created Trans 101, a guide to understanding gender identity and expression for employees at all levels of of a hospital. So for me, I basically wanted to use my lived experience to kind of familiarize the employees that we were training on how trans, how it is for trans folks to navigate through the healthcare system. Thank you both for sharing your personal journeys here. Uh, The topic of gender identity has always been important and pertinent, but now I think it's important that we distinguish between sex and gender because they are actually two different concepts. That's a very good point, Elizabeth. And I think often 
individuals want to know more about sex versus gender, but they might be too nervous to admit they are just clueless. Can you expand a little on what exactly it means to differentiate sex from gender? Yeah, so sex is biological. Sex is something that is assigned at birth. Clinicians usually look at the genitalia to determine if someone is male, female, or intersex. Gender is a bit more complex than people think. Um, And I think before I even define gender, I think it's important that we pause a bit for a brief history lesson. So in America, we use a binary gender model, which completely erases gender fluidity and multiple genders. But we know that prior to colonization, we saw third genders, we saw boys raised as girls, we saw gender roles and body and masculinity and femininity, we saw women dressed as men, and so on and so on. Um, So while many people think that gender is biological, that simply just isn't true. So gender is more performative. Um, It's the roles we play, what we're told to play as girls, as boys, as women, as men. But gender is also our internal sense of being, right? Being men, being women, being neither of those things or both of those things. I want to be clear here because there's a lot of confusion when it comes to trans people. People are like, well, I don't understand. Uh, For trans people, their sex assigned at birth may not match the gender that they go by, that they identify with. So trans men are men. So even if they were assigned a girl at birth, they are in fact men and trans women are women. Could you also explain what gender dysphoria is? How does the split between sex and gender affect individuals' comfort level with their own identity? When we think about gender, we think about everything that is associated with being assigned male or female. So what colors you have, what physical characteristics you may have, um, mannerisms, jobs you may be assigned throughout your life, all of those things. We think of dysphoria as your internal sense of self is not matching what has been given to you. So for me, my internal self did not really mesh well. It didn't feel at home with male genitalia, mannerisms that were not considered to be male mannerisms, speech patterns, way of dress, toys that I played with. I didn't feel at home with those ideas. So that dysphoria and how I combated that dysphoria was through a medical and surgical transition. So basically, those characteristics that you were assigned do not match your internal sense of self. And before we move on, are there any other terms or phrases that you feel the general public and particularly healthcare practitioners should be familiar with when serving patients who are LGBTQIA? Absolutely. Other terms. Cis is a term that I think people should know. People usually don't. When I start talking about my cis privilege, people are like, what is that? They have never heard of cis, although they heard of trans. Cis is an adjective that means gender is the same um, or your sex is the same. Sex is assigned at birth, right? So when I was born, I was told that I was a girl. I lived my life as a girl and now I'm a woman. So I am a cis woman. Trans is an umbrella term for people whose gender identity differs from the one that they were assigned at birth. It does not indicate biology. It does not indicate gender expression. It does not indicate sexuality. It does not indicate hormonal makeup. I know that people think that these are one and the same, that if you're trans, you're gay, or so on and so on. An example we like to use in our workshops is trans identified as a man in terms of his 
gender expression. He was feminine or maybe even androgynous. In terms of his sexuality, he was physically attracted to women. Um, So it's a way to show us that these things are all very different. I know one term I really want some clarity on is dead naming. Do you mind touching on that as well as other terminology that we may need to be comfortable with? So we think about the the mental health of a transgender person, you're causing them distress by calling them a name that they no longer identify with that does not fit them. This name that they had no choice in choosing for themselves. Their naming causes a lot of stress. It's invalidating this person as they're showing up in the world at this present moment. So you're not really acknowledging them as they are, but you're telling them that who they are, how they're showing up, does not exist. And that causes distress. I am so glad that you expanded on that because I definitely think that there are opportunities for us to be more sensitive to our trans folks and just making sure that we are respecting, as you said, who they show up um, in the world as and how they present themselves. Because I, I would hope that most healthcare providers have good intentions, but intentions don't always translate into good action. I think that it is so important for us to be respectful of our patients and really consider who they are. I know we already touched briefly on cis privilege, but for those who aren't familiar with the term, could you explain a bit more what cis privilege is and why it's a limitation? Folks who are not trans are cis and they hold a lot of cis privilege. And I don't think that we always see how much privilege we hold um, because the system benefits us, right? So sometimes our privileges are invisible to us. Um, But one of the questionnaires we give out at our Trans 101 workshop, and there are like 50 questions that participants go through so they can identify their privilege. And some of the questions that are very interesting for me is, can you be confident that your healthcare providers will not ask to see your genitals when treating you for a sore throat? Can you obtain a passport and travel without government employees asking explicit questions regarding your genitals? Do people often act as if they are doing you a favor by using your appropriate pronouns for your gender? Can you undress in public changing rooms without risk of being assaulted or reported? And we can go on and on and on, uh, but this really highlights what cis privilege looks like. Um, we can even look at employment data. We can look at who gets hired, who gets promoted. I think we, it shows up in a lot of different ways. That is so important to consider because oftentimes I think those who feel they do not necessarily have privilege based on maybe a skin color or gender or, you know, the way that they look or how they appear. Like there are so many ways that we can say that we're not privileged, but there are definitely areas where we are. And I think we all may have that to some regard. So you have to be considerate of that. Absolutely. When I tell people I am a woman, they do not question that. When I tell people, I mean, I don't even have to tell people that my pronouns are she, her, hers. I know that I won't be misgendered. I know that people are going to use my right pronouns. Um, I know that when I go to a public bathroom, I won't be harassed. Yes. And I think that we, again, have to be more sensitive to that because this happens every day to our trans community. And I think it may float under the radar for some of us who don't have that experience. In addition, maybe explain how to approach someone undergoing sex reassignment surgery and also what an individual who is undergoing sex reassignment surgery would have to go through. 
And I want Tanil to actually take the lead on this one, but I just want to make this point clear. Um, we focus so much on the genitals of trans people and not every trans person will transition surgically. Not every trans person will transition medically. Um, and so I just want to make that part clear. I think as cis people, we tend to focus so much on the genitals and we don't really do that. That's how, part of how our cis privilege shows up because we don't experience that anywhere else for cis people anyway. So trans affirmative care looks very much like a sub support system within healthcare. Um, I'm coming to you for treatment and support. I'm not coming to visit someone who's going to judge me or look down on me. A lot of trans people have to go through several different hoops in order to receive these gender-affirming surgeries. So you have to speak with your doctor. You have to get a, a letter of confirmation from your doctor indicating that your transition is complete. Um, like Nicole said, transitioning medically or surgically is a personal choice but you have to go through your primary care physician to vouch that your transition is complete. You also have to speak to a therapist and a psychiatrist. For some people, in some places, there even is a lived experience period where you may have to go for a year or two as your gender identity in order to be affirmed. So there's a lot of going through hoops and you're not, you're not really in charge of your own person Trans people are stripped of that agency to decide how they want to show up in the world, how they want to combat their dysphoria. You have to go through several different layers to get that confirmation. Then after going through a primary care physician, therapist, and psychiatrist, then you have to go through hoops with the insurance companies because insurance likes to put things in categories of need versus want. Is this cosmetic or is this medically necessary? So then you have to get that documentation to prove that this surgery is medically necessary because it is reducing the dysphoria, which impacts the patient's everyday life. The dysphoria causes them stress. It affects them with work, school, their overall sense of being. So then you have to prove that it is medically necessary. And some people, like myself, have to even switch insurance companies just to get the procedure approved. From your expertise, why is it important for individuals to use preferred pronouns and to understand the other terms that we discussed today? I would like to encourage um, people to stay away from the term preferred because it's kind of like that. What is your nickname? What do you go by? What is your name? What are your pronouns? And that, that helps the patient feel at home. That opens the door for them to share their experiences with you you're more likely to get a return with your patient because the distress, and I keep emphasizing the distress that a lot of trans patients go through while navigating through healthcare spaces is that they're going to go through so much that I'd rather just stay at home or I'd rather mm -hmm. deal with this situation on my own through self-medicating, home remedies, et cetera. We try to be as supportive as we can to trans patients. It helps, and this goes into pronoun etiquette. I tell a lot of people, and I, I'm trying to get better at doing it myself, is using my pronouns with my introduction. My name is Tennille, she, her, and hers. And that opens the door for them to give you their pronouns in return. And I would also say, if you make a mistake, if you misgender someone, to correct it. Don't go on as if it did not happen. Just last Friday, someone introduced themselves on Thursday as they, their, them. Um, and I misgendered them in a sentence. I was like, what is he doing? And I said, 
oh, I'm sorry, I just misgendered you and I apologize. And they were very um, happy that I had called my own self out, that they didn't have to do that labor of calling me out or not calling me out. I can tell you a time when I have not gotten it well. Um, An example, um, there is a trans woman of color who is brilliant, who is dynamic. She writes uh, a lot of national articles, um, but she is not stealth, meaning um, she does not pass as a cis woman. And I struggle with misgendering her. And the last time I misgendered her, I made a spectacle of it by like, oh my gosh, I am so sorry. Um, I even gave her a kiss on the cheek. That is completely unnecessary. When you misgender someone, call yourself out and apologize and move forward. Nicole, thank you for sharing your story. I know it's not easy to be on a national platform and tell an embarrassing story. So I really appreciate you sharing that with us. And I think another term that we have been using that I hope people will add to their book is misgendering because I don't even know that people were familiar enough with that term to apologize and say to someone, I'm sorry, I misgendered you. So finally, I'd like to wrap us up. So if you'll just give us, both of you, Nicole and Tennille, just some quick pearls, uh, things that we just need to keep in mind. So I just want to leave you with three practical pearls. One, um, just some general definitions, sex and gender. Sex is what's assigned to you at birth. It is biological. Gender is a social construction. Transgender means that your gender, your gender is not the same gender that was assigned to you at birth. It may not necessar- necessarily be. Um, and cisgender, meaning your gender, it is the same gender that was assigned to you at birth. The second point that I think is important to note um, is that we want to avoid unhelpful and intrusive questioning when interacting with our trans patients or trans persons. I know we focus a lot on the genitals and we ask very inappropriate questions like, when did you know you were trans? When do you tell people um, in dating? Or did you have the surgery? Like, we really want to avoid that type of questioning. The second thing that I think is important to we know that trans individuals sometimes avoid seeking healthcare because they don't want to deal with um, implicit bias or unconscious biases, and not even unconscious bias, sometimes explicit biases by clinicians. But we know that the, sh- the stress of experience and stigma, the stress of experience and discrimination is accounting for these disparities that we see for our trans friends. And so what I want people to understand is that we need to respect diverse body types, no matter how they show up. Thank you so much for those wrap-up points and pearls. Nicole and Tennille, I really want to thank you for your time today. It was such a pleasure to have you both Yes, thank you so much for joining us today. I've really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope our listeners will benefit as much as I have. I think it's so important that we strive to enhance the care of all members of the LGBTQIA community. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks for listening to Pharmacy Forward, a podcast about transforming knowledge into action. If you like this podcast, Please subscribe using your favorite podcast app and tell all of your pharmacy friends and colleagues. Be sure to rate us and send us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a story you'd like to share about someone who's transforming knowledge into action, send us an email. Pharmacy Forward is produced by the Division of Pharmacy Professional Development at the University of Mississippi School of Pharmacy. For more information about our professional development programs, visit pharmacycpd.org. That's pharmacycpd.org. 
This episode was conceived and developed by Elizabeth Yet, Markeisha Cook, Elizabeth Hearn, Bianca Lascano, Ha Fan, Megan Brown, Lori Fleming, Josh Fleming, and Stuart Haynes.